This is RJ Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes this down. This one by Mattingly. Oh, hang on to the RJ Barrett does it again from downtown. He is just tearing the Orioles it's apart. Good. It's good. Randall gets the bounce, and he there ties the game. Beeson ducks under. Got it. And here we are again, back in the losing column. <laughs> What's happening, everybody? I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and this is episode 317 of the podcast. Welcome to BD4. Where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. And don't forget, we also we also do MMA now too. We do MMA on the weekends. The Knicks after every game. And the Yankees, when they are in season, we do after every series. So, be sure to follow this podcast if you are new here and have not yet. You can find BD4 on many platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and some other listening platforms as well. Wherever you get your podcast. You can watch the podcast too on YouTube. So if you want to watch the podcast, subscribe to us on YouTube, give it a like and comment and share it on social media with your friends. And but if you want to listen to the podcast too, you can also do that. Just be sure to give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, we've gotten nothing but five stars so far. So thank you for tuning in. And again, guys, if you want to follow me on social media, I'm on Facebook at RJ Carbone. And I'm also on Instagram. At Rob J. Carbone. You know, losses like this, like, like tonight, and we're going to get right into this thing, they, they, they hurt. They really do, but, but it's not it's not tonight that hurts when you lose games like this. Because you didn't expect to beat the Memphis Grizzlies. They're one of the top teams in the Western Conference and whatever. But it's the fact that we 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 could have afforded a loss like this had we taken advantage and not laid back against teams we should have beaten this year you know there have been many games in the past this season that you can look back at right now and say wow that was a team we should not have came out flat against you know so that's what makes games and losses like tonight's against the Memphis Grizzlies on the final home game before we go on a big five-game road trip, that's what makes it hurt. Is that we played competitive ball against a really tough team, but but you look back at all the games that we don't play competitively against against these low-tier teams. So that makes it suck. That sucks. 
Um, so yeah, the Knicks lose this one, one twenty to one hundred eight at the Garden, splitting their brief two game homestand before going on a brutal. It's going to be brutal, absolutely brutal, five game road trip. They were competitive tonight, you know. Um, they kept it close, and they either were just a couple of points away, but they never were really, you know, even when they weren't a couple of points away, they were at that breaking point where they were either one run away from getting right back into it or one run away from getting blown out. At halftime, they were down 12 points, so it was right there. Most of the night, they were right there. They cut it short a few times in that second half. We thought, okay, maybe we have this. But we continue to just be way too sloppy with the basketball. The Knicks had 15 turnovers tonight. That led to a bunch of fast break points for Memphis. They scored 17 in fast break. Every time we cut it close, we just turned it over and they punished us. They're a fast team. They're another, you know, we have a lot of trouble with these athletic teams. We know this. The Knicks and their slow pace can't keep up sometimes. Memphis is a fast team. They ran all over us tonight. Ran us out the damn gym. They actually got up 125 shots tonight versus the Knicks 114. Free throws included. So that's 11 more attempts tonight for Memphis. It's a lot of different, that's a lot of possessions. I mean, you had Morant. That kid, Zaire Williams, and the kid from Newark, not too far from where I am, Jackson, pushing the pace. Morant scores 23. Williams gets 21. Jackson finishes with 26. So, Nick defense just could not keep up. They got doubled on the offensive boards in the second half. Defensively, though, they were just absolutely dreadful tonight. Big difference between this year's team and last year's team. That's the number one thing I think everybody should have at the top of their list is is Julius Randle and also the defense in whatever order. But it should not be lower than one and two. Those two things. And the defense was just terrible. Terrible. Slow on rotations. Continues to be a problem with certain guys. Um, And then you look at the third quarter. It's... I don't understand why, here I go again, going to go on a tangent real quickly, but I don't, I don't understand why Thibodeau, once again in the third tonight, left the starters in for basically the entire frame. You have Kemba Walker out there playing 11 minutes in the third quarter. He played 11 minutes. He scores zero points in the game. The entire game, he scores zero points. So zero points for Kemba in back-to-back games now. His ball screen defense is beyond anything imaginably horrible, if that even makes sense. He's just he's getting cooked on screens. He's super slow on rotations. He's not closing out quick enough. And he's out there for the majority of the third quarter. And you could tell he was tired. You could tell his knees were toasted. In that quarter. I mean, he front rims a three-pointer. And on the very next possession, on one sequence, he he, he airballs a mid-range pull-up. 
So the signs were all there for Thibodeau to sit him, give him a rest, and put somebody else in there. Do him a favor. He still plays. He still plays. It's got to end soon, man, with, with Kemba. There's only so much more I could take of it. And luckily, you know, the trade deadline, I think it's next Thursday. It's the 10th, whenever that day is. But between, again, I say it's so much, too much, you're probably tired of hearing it. Between the injuries, the the lack of offensive consistency, it's got to go. I mean, and the only consistency he does show is his defense, which is consistently horrendous. So he's got to go. Got to cut ties. If you can't find a partner to trade him to, I think you can find a partner out West, maybe trade him to the Western Conference. But if you can't find anybody, anybody then, then, then if you have to, just wave him. It's only $8 million. <clears throat> but it's got to end soon. It's got to. Fourth quarter, I also thought we had some really bad moments. Now, Emmanuel, quickly, I give him credit. He kind of led that comeback a bit. You know, he had four, uh, nine points, four assists in, in the entire fourth quarter. So he had good moments. But did anybody pay attention to quickly after that? You know, that straight, remember he made the, he had that stretch where he hit two consecutive shots on two straight possessions and kind of fueled that little run we went on. But after that, I can't say he was very good. He, he was horrible. Towards the end of that fourth. He misses a layup. Loses it out of bounds on the very next possession. Timeout gets called. On the very next possession after that, he misses a three-point shot. Then on the very following possession defensively, he commits a bad foul on Morant. Gets reviewed, but eventually Morant goes to the line and extends the lead from single figures to double figures with seven minutes to go. Then he has the travel with five minutes to go down nine points. Gets that finger finger roll layup to fall. But then misses another three-point shot after that. And it was just rough for quickly after that little bit of a run he went on. Personally, I would have liked to see more Grimes um, take those minutes from quickly late. But I do understand that's not something I'm going to get on Thibodeau for. It's just a personal preference there. Randall tonight had 18 points, 12 rebounds, 9 assists. On the surface, yes, that looks pretty good, right? Almost a triple-double. But again, you break it down, you watch the game. Again, it came with poor efficiency and and poor body language, too. He shoots 38% from the field. Lord knows how many sub-40% games he's had this year. He's 16% from the uh, three-point line tonight, one for eight. And he was 60% on his foul shots, three for five. So he goes inefficient basketball once again. Horrible body language, getting lazy after some turnovers on the fast break. And then, you know, at the end of the game, he continues to whine and moan and, and complain to officiating and Getting emotional, making everything personal. Getting into it with Memphis. And, and he gets ejected after his second technical late in this game. I mean, I'm just so tired of watching him. Just continuing to whine and then just haul ass on the floor. 
I'm so sick of not having a franchise point guard, and this has been our problem for so long. I know Derrick Rose is on the return, but he can only do so much, right? He's probably, in my opinion, he's in terms of making a winning impact of players who get significant minutes, Rose is right up there underneath RJ, 1 and 2. But he can only do so much. Evan Fournier tonight, he had 30 points to lead the Knicks, to lead the game. 30 points, he goes 8 for 12 from 3 point. Gets 5 rebounds after having 0 in 27 minutes on uh, on Monday, was it? Yeah. His defense remains horrific, but at least he's been hitting the shots lately. You know, when he's on like he is, he's like hurrying in the Golden State offense. He's coming off these... Down screens, pin downs, these curls in motion. Just he's doing a nice job freeing himself open. And I like him. I like him in catch and shoot. I know a lot. Some Nick fans will like him on the ball more, getting those reps. But I like Fournier when he's moving without the ball and staying active and catching and shooting. I'm pretty sure that's the way he's succeeded the majority of his career. He can get into the lane here and there, and he likes to throw up that floater, but I like him as a as a, a movement shooter. You know, what we kind of hoped to get out of uh, Wayne Ellington. That's what Fournier has been lately. Now it needs to be more consistent. Now I wish Thibodeau was more creative with his schemes the way he is with Fournier sometimes, you know. Wish we could run these actions for for guys like RJ more. You know, he RJ was killing it with Mitch in, in the pick and roll for a bit. That pistol formation worked again, but but you know, I just wish it was more. We, we featured him more, like I said. Listen, as bad as this game was, there are some positives that, that we can take from this Knicks team. Uh, as bad as you know, as negative as everything is this year. A lot of negative storylines following this Knicks team. There are still, I want to try to, to be somewhat positive. So, in the second half of the show, when we get back from break, I want to go over some positives here. So, some good things to point out. All right. So, stay with us. We're going to head to a break. When we return, we'll get right into it. All right. Hey, guys. So, I've noticed that only a small portion of you who watch BD4 on YouTube, are actually subscribed. So if you do enjoy this podcast, and maybe you want to be notified when new episodes release, I'd consider subscribing and also hitting that notification bell. This way, we can help the channel grow, and you won't miss a single episode of BD4. Alright, let's get back to it. So, if you guys want to follow me on social media, be sure to do so right now. I'm on Facebook at RJ Carbone. And I'm also on Instagram at Rob J Carbone. Once again, if you want to find me on Facebook, that is RJ Carbone. Instagram at Rob J Carbone.
so yeah, the Knicks, what, 24 and, and 28, I think now. Um, maybe 11th in the uh, East. I don't even know at this point. I get it. Things are bad <clears throat> um, in terms of, you know, our hopes for making the playoffs. Um, but on a bright spot, there's one thing we actually can't. When you, when you take a step back, take a couple of deep breaths, there are some positive improvements happening. And that is the Nick youth, a lot of the Nick youth seem to be coming into their own. Um, in particular, it's R.J. Barrett, Quinton Grimes, Obi Toppin, and of course, Mitchell Robinson, who was fantastic tonight. All four of them, they're really playing very well right now. Very well. Tonight, R.J. Barrett, 23 points, four boards, an assist, a block, 7 for 17, um, and 8 for 11 at the line. It was a good bounce back. right? I asked for this. Um, I asked for a game like this. <clears throat> Excuse me. After shooting 29% in his last two games, heading into this one, I didn't want to see that let R- you know, RJ spiral himself into a slump again. Because the old RJ may have done that. But it was a, a good, I don't want to say positive sign because I don't want to say I'm buying into this again because it could just be a good stretch for the kid. But it's it's nice to see him bounce back like he did. Now, he played better. He, he shot better. It wasn't great, but he played better. Okay, He wasn't amazing, but he shot the ball more efficiently. He ran the ball handling duties with, with the second unit, You know, with Burke struggling in that first half. In the second half, I thought he had a great third quarter. I thought he, again, I thought he could have been featured a little bit more in the fourth. He had 11 points, seven field goal attempts, three free throw attempts in the third quarter. Fourth quarter comes, four points, just four field goal attempts, zero free throw attempts. So he didn't really get the ball as much in that fourth, wasn't involved like he was in the third. Very much like the game on Monday in Sacramento. Where was that at the Garden? Against Sacramento. But yeah, he, he was making better rim reads. And I thought he played well. And he's been, again, he's coming into his own over the, in January. Maybe it goes back to a couple games before January. Up to this date. Making better rim reads. He still needs to work on finishing. Mainly it's just, you know, going right and, and finishing over those more lengthy taller defenders and making better decisions on the fly, which he has done better of at of late. But he's been playing really well. He's getting more more on-ball reps overall. He um, It'd be nice, again, if they can move Kemba, that would help. But he's shooting the three well in spot-ups again. He's playing well in transition. All right. I would like to see more off-the-dribble shots. Now he, I think tonight he attempted one mid-range pull-up. Um... But that mid-range was working so well for him at the start of this stretch, and he's kind of shied away from it since. He was shooting a solid percentage on those during the stretch, but he just kind of stopped taking them. Now it's just, you know, finishing in three-point spot-ups. But he's doing a nice job. He's he's doing well distributing when he's called to. 
to be that playmaker and, and facilitate for his team. He's doing a nice job there. Which, again, if we get Kemba out of here, I feel like RJ could be even better there. You know, I think he could be a guy who can get you four to five assists more often if um you know and improve this offense if he can if you can find a way to get Kemba out. But he mastered that pistol triangle again tonight. That triangle pistol action with Mitchell Robinson. They work great together in that set. And that's one of the things I always get on Thibodeau about, right? How generic the Nick offense is with, with the pistol set. It's either a it's either DHO or it's pick and roll. But RJ Mitch, that's the one tandem I do not mind seeing them run that action with. You know, as opposed to continuing to do that DHO with, with Julius and Fournier. Now RJ's defense still needs some work. He isn't exactly where I'd hope he'd be yet. However, if he does continue to rebound well, I think we have to give him credit for that. A lot of people forget he's a good rebounder. That's one of the aspects of RJ's game that does not get talked about nearly enough. Is how well of a rebounder he is for a guy who's 6'6". Now, I was on NBA.com earlier looking at the traditional stats. Now, this was entering tonight, so you know, it's one game off. But of the guys in this league, uh, of players who are six, uh, <laughs> trying to say two things at once, um, of players who are shorter than 6'7", so players who are shorter than 6'7", with at least 20 games played this season, RJ ranks 10th in rebounds per game among 310 players. So, just a little perspective, other you know, you could easily just say he averages 5.7, 5.8, whatever it is, but 10th of 310 players, 6'6 six, six or less. So that's, that's big right there. He's a good rebounder. And the last 16 games entering tonight, because I don't have the updated stats, 22 points per game, 6 rebounds per game, 3 assists per game, 44% field goal, 38% on his threes, 67% on the free throws and a steal per game. He's got to start hitting those free throws. I know his free throws have got to start falling. A lot of Knicks have had that issue. I get it, but as the top, you know, as a top two guy on the team, got to be better than that. Got to be better. What I do love about the free throws is that he's drawing contact. Right, he's generating over six free. Uh, he's generating over six free throw attempts. Per game during this 17 game stretch now. Um, because he's getting that ball time, he's getting to play his bully ball more often. So he's getting that contact. So I love the way RJ's whoops, been playing. I like the way Quentin Grimes, I mean, how do you not love the way Quentin Grimes plays? Guy's awesome. Now, tonight he wasn't too effective. I think he made two shots and he had a couple more steals. But he's just a dog, man. He's a keeper. He's a foundational piece. I think so. I, I'm i buying into him more and more every day. He comes in. He makes a positive impact immediately. Most nice. He plays defense. He shoots the ball well. Has been that, you know, people throw this out there a lot. 3 and D wing. I'm going to say something that, that might either excite a fan or... or, or 
make them roll their eyes, all depending on where you were. But I'm going to make a comparison. He is what Knicks fans either thought or hoped, again, depending on where you were with this guy, Frank Nilakina would be. I think Grimes can be that. You know, maybe, maybe, you know, like a Danny Green mold or a JJ Redick with more defense. Right? Those guys, like Grimes, a high, quick release, um, active without the ball, frees himself open so well, coming off those back screens. The Knicks are now running actions for, for Grimes. He sets his feet, squares them towards the rim. And shoots it without hesitation. Much like those two guys did and do. I think Green is still playing somewhere. So again, I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar. But I am saying I think he has upside to be a great role player. That's very possible. You know, Green has helped three different teams win a championship because of his play style. Redick had a very solid, long 15-year NBA career. Before retiring and doing his podcast. So... And again, he plays defense. He plays defense. He's a Tibbs guy. You don't often see Thibodeau play the young guys. But Grimes is out there 15 minutes a night plus because he's playing defense. He forced his way into the rotation during the COVID hit with the effort he puts in on four. Pressures the ball. Playing full court press at times. Ripping it away from his opponent. Poking it out of bounds even if it doesn't show up on the stat sheet. He's a hound. He's a pest. I still would like to see him get even more minutes. I thought, actually, I was saying, and it turns out I, I might have been right, although Jaw did struggle tonight, that he should have started at point with Ja Morant going up against Kemba. But we had RJ on Ja for most of the night, and RJ did a pretty good job. There were some open shots by Ja, but RJ did a pretty good job shutting him down, containing him. He had 27 shots. Ja did to get his 23. So he had to work hard for it. Uh, but Grimes is, is good. He's still going to make his rookie mistakes, blah, blah, blah. He'll have his ups and downs. And, you know, I would like to see him add more of a handle. Um, you know, so so in games where we don't have any point guards out there, or when our point guards continue to be ineffective, he can still thrive. But overall, for a rookie who is called upon the scene, you know, midseason or in the midst of things, he's been great. Last eight games heading into tonight, averaging one steal on 23 minutes. Last six games heading into tonight, he was averaging 10 points. So, I love the way Grimes has came onto the scene and did his thing with the Knicks. We'll get to the other two players, the two big men. But real quick, I just want to head to a break. And then we'll get right to it when we get back. Stay with us. So BD4 is on so many platforms to listen to. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can find us on our sponsor, Anchor, and many other listening platforms as well, wherever you get your podcasts. But we are also available to watch on YouTube. So if you want to watch us on YouTube, go subscribe there. 
But if you prefer to listen to us, again, many, many, many listening platforms. Just be sure to subscribe, download, give us a rating, a review, comment, share the podcast, and all that fun stuff. This is BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. All right, so <clears throat> I, I think after tonight, if you weren't on the Mitchell Robinson train, you at least got closer. 14 points, 11 rebounds, 8 blocks. Now what I loved about this one, it was against Steven Adams, right? We often talk about how Mitch has a lot of games, a lot of his positive efforts come against those undersized, undermanned teams. Tonight it was against the strongest man in the world, Steven Adams. You know, eight blocks tonight. So he's, he's other night he slid into the, uh, the top five blocks in Knicks history. So he's moving up that board every day now. And yes, I know that blocks weren't officially recorded until the early seventies, 73, I think it was, but it's still impressive given his, you know, his age. It's only his fourth season. And you look at the games played. Ewing is first in blocks, obviously, in Nick history. Um, in a in 1,039 games. Cartwright second, 537 games. Third in blocks, Webster with 402 games. Kurt Thomas is fourth in blocks in 569 games. And then Mitch, fifth in blocks all time in Nick history, 204 games. So I'm not sure he's going to catch Ewing, but I definitely have a good feeling he's going to be passing old Bill at some point. But he's obviously been playing well for a bit now. He's playing well for for a while. He's gotten himself back into shape, and he's progressed very nicely this season. I like his progression. He's finally starting to show that development. Remember, this was a guy coming out of high school. Very raw project type of player. So you got to keep that in mind when you criticize him. And even I forget that sometimes. But looking at the numbers, entering tonight, in his last 21 games, he was scoring 10 points per game, 83%, getting 9.5 rebounds, 0.7 steals, 1.2 blocks, all in 26 minutes. And he's, you know, with this, he's making a case, man. He's certainly making a case. I'm not going to lie to you. He he is wanting to, he wants to get paid. He's making a case for it too. And maybe even, you know, get that extension pretty soon. Before the summer. It didn't look promising at the start. Remember the Knicks draft Jericho Sims. They extend Nerlens Noel for three years, nine million salary. And, and he comes in the season. Mitch does not in the best shape. Because of the muscle he put on, and, and you, know, you were hearing the Miles Turner rumors not too long ago, and all that has vanished during this stretch. You know, you don't even hear the Turner thing anymore. I'm still intrigued by Turner, to be honest with you. I hate to say it, I love the idea of a stretch big on this team. I think it'd be great for this offense. Um, but I also, at this point, with the way Mitch has been playing, would not be opposed to paying him. 
like I was earlier in the season. I was ready to ship him out earlier. I was texting all my buddies. Uh, you know, this guy can walk. But so long as he keeps this up, okay, keep the keep the I want you to record this part. If you're listening, you're watching, remember me saying so long as he keeps this up. I, I am willing to do it. I am willing to give him his his fair share. How high I would go is a different story. That's one thing that that I might be a little more conservative on. Personally, if I'm going to put a number to it, I don't want to go over, if I'm paying Mitchell Robinson, I'm not sure I want to go over a $15 million salary with him. I think the most I go, something like four years, 55, 60 million. That's like 15, 14, $15 million AAV. I'm not sure I want to go much higher than that. Just because again, he's a in in a league like today, he's a traditional rim runner, and he does a lot of the things that don't show up in the stat sheets, especially defensively. He's a good offensive rebounder, and he's athletic as hell. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you are looking at a guy putting up eight and eight with the frame that kind of scares you. He's got the durability concerns when he plays over thirty minutes and. You know, he seems to, when he falls, you're kind of bracing yourself. You don't want to get any kind of big injury again or you don't want him to tweak anything. So there are some concerns. Not much of an offensive package. Not not an offensive package outside of rim runs. So until then, I don't know that I'm comfortable going higher than $60 million for four years. Excuse me. <clears throat> you know, just, I, again, it... it, it it does hurt. Can't lie to you that I'm looking at a big man rotation of Mitch, Noel, Taj, and seeing those three guys average 0.13 point attempts per game between the three of them. For their entire career. You average it out at 0.1 per game. They don't shoot the ball. So none of them are legitimate shooting threats behind the semicircle. Noel and Taj, especially, you know, maybe once in a blue moon they'll take a mid range, but. Not especially. I want to say Noel and Tosh in particular um, can hit an occasional mid-range. But for the most part, all three of those guys are, are getting their, their attempts inside the semicircle. So it'd be ni- it would be nice. if you know It would be nice to have a guy who can step out and shoot the three, space the floor a little bit, clear out the paint for RJ. You know, you remember in that Atlanta series last postseason... They schemed us to where they would shadow Julius Randle, and you know having that extra help defender in the paint took away those rim runs. And you could see Randle, you know, sometimes he struggles down there in the paint. A lot of the time, it's against those more athletic bigs with Julius. But having Mitch draw all those extra defenders in the paint doesn't help because you know, defenders know he's not going beyond three feet. Plus, his, his free throw shooting is also something that it went from below average to now a liability, I won't lie. So it would be nice to have some shooting at that 4-5 spot. But, again, at the same time, it doesn't mean we have to trade for Turner. Because there's this other guy in the Knicks 
who maybe could be coming around, maybe eventually will. Obi Toppin. Obi has lately started adding that shooting dynamic. And he's also been putting the ball on the floor lately too, which obviously none of Mitch, Noel, Taj do either. Mitch, you know, I know he's had a couple of uh, crossovers in the last month or so, but, you know, Obi had that dribble fake on Friday and a couple of solid takes to the rim Monday night. Shooting-wise, though, maybe Obi can be that stretch big for us. You know, he's 7... Entering tonight, he was 7 for 17. That's 41% in his last 8 games entering tonight. So if he can start adding that to his repertoire, you got yourself a stretch big right there. Be able to modernize this offense a little bit, you know? But yes, I, I love the way these four players are playing. They're coming into their own. You know, they, they are... They're developing properly right now. RJ and Mitch over the last month or so. Grimes since he's cracked the rotation. And Obi really all season long. It would just be nice if Tommy T can figure out this rotation. I still don't understand why Obi is not getting the minutes he is. He should be. Sorry. Especially with Julius struggling. With him gassed as often as he is late in the games. These slow starts we have to each half. It makes no sense. To give Obi 15 minutes tops for the majority of his games. You're looking at literally all these other teams. Are given their youth run. Sacramento playing Halliburton 30 minutes his rookie year. 34 a night this season. Charlotte, a contending play-in team. LaMelo Ball getting 29 minutes per game as a rookie, 32 per game this year. Detroit, Cade Cunningham's getting 32 minutes a night. Hayes, 26. Jalen Green's getting 30 a night. Orlando, you got Suggs getting 28 a night. Wagner, 32 a night over there. That kid Josh, Josh Gideon, he's getting 31 a night. Cleveland, a fourth seed. They're the number four seed. They have, you know, they have their vets, but Isaac Okoro, 32 minutes per game as a rookie, 29 this year. Colin Sexton has been getting, he's been getting over 30 minutes a game since he entered the league four years ago. Darius Garland, same thing. In year three, he's getting over 30 minutes. Toronto, another contending playing team. They've got that rookie Barnes. He's one of the league leaders getting 36 minutes a game. Hell, tonight, tonight, perfect example. Looking at the box score, you have Harrison Harrison Bain, who I wanted to draft, by the way. 23-year-old kid. He's 23 years old. He shoots the ball 4 for 18 tonight. He was disgustingly awful. He gets 34 minutes. He gets 34 minutes. Taylor Jenkins plays from 34 minutes. When the hell have any of our young players had a leash like that, besides R.J. Barrett? When have we been able to have our youth do that and be able to learn from experiences like that and play through it? The veterans only get that that respect. And listen, again, I, I want you to pay attention to what I'm about to say here. I'm not saying the Knicks have to give 
their rookies, sophomores, prospects 35 to 40 minutes a night. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying play all the kids, never play the vets. Because to be honest, if they did that, they would lose even more games than they are right now with the current rotation. But what I am saying, you do have to at least bring a balance. I would like a balance. I would like to extend the minutes to some of these young kids to some degree. Nobody wants to see Kemba Walker out there for, for 27 minutes a night. You know, On nights where Fournier and Burks aren't hitting their shots, why can't Cam Reddish see the floor? The guy you gave up a first-round pick for. Why can't Grimes get even more minutes on those nights? When Randall is out there hurting the team, where is Obi Toppin? Why does Taj have to be averaging more minutes on the season than Obi Toppin? Why does Taj have to be playing the second half of blowouts so often? Does he really have to be taking every single one of Jericho Sims' minutes? I just wish Thibodeau was less stubborn because literally every other team, every other coach, contending, not contending, lets their youth play more than we do. It is 2022. It is an era where young athletic wings who can shoot, score, and dribble have taken over this league. So enough with the the slow players with size and defense. That philosophy's got to go. The rim protection, this, that, and let's let's you know let's keep our keep ourselves. Let's keep in mind that these kids play defense too. <laughs> That's the thing. Not only can they score, shoot, dribble, pass, they can play defense too. <clears throat> and I really, truly do believe. That with a bit, a bit more of a balanced rotation, again, not full-on youth, but a little more to the youth than we are doing right now. If we did that, the Knicks at 24 and 28, I think it is, could at least be over 500 and somewhere within the 7th to 8th seed. I do believe that. If they made a little more adjustments than they're doing now. If Thibodeau made a little bit more of an adjustment within the flow of the games depending on the matchups, and, and didn't just have this template fixed substitution rotation. And more importantly, by doing this, you're developing your youth. That's the most important thing. You're developing your youth. You're letting them make mistakes and grow. Tonight would have been a perfect opportunity for Cam Reddish again. A perfect opportunity tonight for Cam Reddish to see some minutes. You needed some defense. You allowed 120 points. You needed defense. You needed shooting. You shot 33% to their 41% from three. You needed some athleticism to keep up with the pace of Memphis, who was running you out the gym tonight. Well, you got yourself a 6'8 athletic wing sitting on your bench who can do all of defend well, score, and run. And you say you're going for it? So you're sitting here, you're the Knicks, and you say you're planning on pushing for the playoffs? You're in the hunt? Then why why is he not out there? All these things, why is that not happening if you say you're still in the hunt? Tonight you had 30 minutes combined 
between Kemba and Alec Burks. Four total points. Zero field goals made between the two of them in 30 minutes. You couldn't find room for Cam? Really? Some of you were overthinking it. It's not that simple. It's not that hard. It's very simple. Somebody's not playing well, they come out. Try something new. I just don't understand it. I don't get it. Let's head to our final break. When we get back, we'll get to the NYY, NYK, MMA question of the day, and we will wrap this thing up. Stay with us. Hey, guys. I hope you're enjoying this episode. But first, I also want to let you know I have another blog. The blog I'm writing for is on ultimatesportsnetworks.com titled The Bomber Bocker Blog. If you want to go subscribe to this blog, you should do so using my promo code 6A2841ERJC. Using that, you'd get a discount $7.99 a month to get the best Knicks and Yankees opinionated content around. Once again, guys, the Bomber Bocker Blog on ultimatesportsnetworks.com using promo code 6A2841ERJC, $7.99 a month. A custom wall tapestry is a surefire way to uplift any room's aesthetics with a personal touch. This 100% polyester wall tapestry comes with hemmed edges for extra durability while its mildew and water-resistant properties ensure years' worth of decorating bliss. The advanced tapestry printing techniques guarantee crisp detail even for the craziest of designs in any of the multiple size choices. You can select a size of 26 by 36 inches, 51 by 60, 68 by 80, and 88 by 104. These wall tapestries usually ship in 7 to 10 business days, and the price ranges from $24.99 to $69.99, all dependent on the size you select. The Bomber Bocker blog wall tapestries come in orange, gray, and black. But most importantly, be sure when purchasing a wall tapestry for the Bomber Bocker blog that you use promo code 6A2841ERJC. 6A2841ERJC. Just go to ultimatesportsnetworks.com and click on the Shop MVP tab, searching the Bomber Bocker blog. And there you have it. All right. So, in this episode, episode 317, our NYY, NYK, MMA question of the day. Obviously, Nick's based for tonight. Is Tyson Chandler played with the Knicks for three seasons? Felt like a lot longer. In how many of those seasons did he average a double-double? Now, this is without rounding. 
So, for example, if he averaged 9.6 rebounds, that does not count as 10. All right, so once again, Tyson Chandler played with the Knicks for three seasons. In how many of those seasons did he average a double-double without rounding? All right, so let me know the answer, whether that be on Facebook or on Instagram. You can DM me the answer or you can comment the answer once I publish one of the uh, the promo clips to this episode. Guys, that's it. That's all I've got. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Episode 317 for BD4 in the books. I'll see you next time. Ciao. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. It's the best way to make a podcast. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm 